This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations with people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained, and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace in the days ahead. Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyers Bay in Dunedin, and I'm joined by Mawera Karatai in her safe space in Fakatani. Good morning, Sam. Has anyone been playing the piano yet? Um, I've been um, trying to find music that doesn't use a bass clef A sharp at the middle one, because um, when we shifted house two weeks ago, Something's happened and the hammer hits two notes and it's the most horrendous <laughs> sound. So, so, and Jack's got his first Zoom piano lesson tomorrow morning with his piano teacher and I don't think she's going to be very happy either. <laughs> and I'm joined so by... piano playing in Whakatari. And I'm joined by Andy Williamson from the Isle of Skye off the west coast of Scotland. Good evening, Andy. Here. It's um, 10, 10 o'clock at night here, so I'm, um, I'm in the dark, stormy night of the Isle of Skye. With a whiskey? With a whiskey. I think Palisca it's allowed. from the local it, distillery. Yep. It's allowed at that time of night. So, who's in your bubble, Andy? Um, there's myself, there's Alison, my partner, and there's Oren, who's our two and a teeny bit year old, who is enjoying a full exploration of the terrible twos and enjoying being in the bubble, actually. He's, in, he's enjoying it, but we've got lots of space up here, so it's, um, it's a pretty good bubble. When I last visited you, you were in Glasgow. What, what prompted uh, we were, that? in fact. Well, yeah, were we, trying... we were in Glasgow, and you were, yeah, you, you were supposed to come up here to Sky, and um, that all got delayed with lawyers and real estate agents as these things do so um, we we decided we'd move up here because we spent a year looking at houses in Glasgow and Edinburgh where we wanted either of those two we wanted to live in and we couldn't square the circle of the space we wanted the place we wanted and the schools and one of the requirements was a school where Oren can be taught in Gaelic and um, through a process of getting fed up with looking at not finding houses and day after day, we sort of stretched our scope a bit wider and started looking at castles around the place, as you do, which are the <laughs> same price as houses in Edinburgh, um, and hit on Sky. And where we are is a big Gaelic-speaking area. So uh, it means he's immersed in, in Gaelic in the community, and he's, his childcare is... Uh, fully Gallic immersion and so's the nursery and so's the primary so we're all 
um, from that point of view, it's a pretty good move. But then it came down to having a better quality of life, and it's a it's a good place to be. Now we're we're a long way from anywhere when when you look at it on the map, but it doesn't feel it, and we don't feel you know, stop feeling isolated up here at all. It's a good community, and you both work from home anyway. Yeah, well, I've worked from from home largely for years, so it's no great novelty for me. And Alison is a musician, so she's doing a lot of work from home. And um, at the moment, she's completely working from home because there are no concerts, so everything's cancelled. So she's only away when she needs to do a recording project or a concert. Is she recording at home, or what sort of work is she doing at home? Um, She's pretty much... uh, She's done a little bit of recording today. She's doing some teaching. She can do some teaching over... um, Skype or Zoom or whatever, which is pretty effective. She did some recording today. She just recorded a, a, a bass track for something some friends are doing. So she plays cello. And um, we haven't quite got the equipment here, we realized today. We were sort of scurrying around for the right microphones and things and failing to find them. So we need to do some thinking about that. Uh, but our childcare obviously is closed. So Oren is at home with us. 24-7. We can't um, palm him off on any friendly neighbours or anything, and we've no childcare, so we're sort of juggling him. And ironically, in this time of everyone staying at home, having a nice, peaceful day with nothing to do, my work is busier than ever. So it's a bit, yeah, it's, a, it's sort of the same but different. So what is it that you do? Um, so most of my work these days is with democratic strengthening which is how you make public organizations more transparent and accountable but my specialist area is parliaments so i work with a whole range of parliaments and at the moment we are working with an awful lot of them trying to get them up and running and so looking at how they do committees and even plenary sessions remotely and how we support the workforce because they're having to work remotely as well so it's not just a case of mps can't turn up your IT staff can't turn up and your clerks can't turn up either. So we've been working with a lot of uh, the, the big parliaments in terms of pushing the technology that they've got and also some of the smaller ones in terms of some smart thinking that they're doing around using some tools that they've got and um, looking at the issues around security and access and video conferencing and how do you vote? You know, you can do a video conferencing, but you can't really use a Zoom or a Skype poll. To, to enact a law so you need things that are a bit more sophisticated than that can you put your hand up wave a flag not you now can't they, can't they vote thumbs up, wave hand up. Thumb. well you you say that perhaps in jest but i i've heard it i've heard it suggested um and you can yeah you can as one parliament is using it um video conferencing to talk but email to vote so it's uh, it, it it's it's a really interesting time for innovation because we're being pushed people say oh why can't you have your parliament on the internet because that's where everybody is and there's a whole load of reasons why you might be able to but don't want to but actually now we have to either that or not have it sit or not have it sit safely so um, although there are a lot of issues and challenges, we're we're being pushed to be pretty innovative about how we solve these problems, and and it's really good. And this is one of the things that we keep hearing coming out of the current situation is how people are working together. And I've got a you know I've got a group of parliaments 
I'm working with from Brazil, Finland, Norway, Ukraine, the UK, um, South Africa, Zambia, all in one group who are all sharing what they're doing and sharing um, you know, pretty technical stuff and confidential stuff and really talking about the issues. You know, Canada talking about, everyone's talking about the problems with Zoom, but this is why actually it's okay as long as you only go this far with it. So, you know, everybody's being really open and sharing and, and generous, um, which is amazing. It's, it's a really, really good community. Bubble Sprite of the Forest of Orokudui, Dunedin's favorite goddess, Tahu Mackenzie. Kia ora koutou, na mihi araha nui kia koutou, ko tahu Mackenzie aho. Super excited to be with you all beautiful people and thank you very much for having me share my bubble visions as part of Blowing Bubbles. I'm very honoured, it's really, really exciting for me. So something that I'm really enjoying delving into and diving into at the moment is this really fascinating situation that we are all in together at the moment with our beautiful beloved bubbles and as we know we are always in our own bubble and we are always creating our own reality and we are encouraged and heavily conditioned to share consensus reality between ourselves but in truth we are all in our own beautiful bubble all the time now our bubble of course is part of an infinite web of life and connection that extends throughout time and space forever but this idea that we're suddenly encapsulated in bubbles in a more external sense is absolutely right and it's time for us to really enjoy creating our own framework of meaning within this so something that I think is so important for all of us in our bubbles is the idea that we are in control and we can create our reality and set boundaries within that process so that things really work in the best way for us. And something that has worked really well for me in this time of externally encouraged a bubble life is deciding that I'm actually going to have weekends, which I've never ever done in the whole 18 years or so of my working life I've always enjoyed working at the weekend as well and thinking about work and uh, you know planning and dreaming and scheming and creating but in this time I'm now dedicating my weekends in my beautiful beloved bubble to other realms of my life which is really exciting and so I would encourage you also to think about what kind of boundaries within your bubble you would like to make I've also been thinking about this concept of bubbles and many times in my life people have said to me that I am living in a bubble and this is really interesting because what I have found works really well for me is that I'm so grateful to be alive and I'm so grateful for all the opportunities that surround us constantly to learn and grow and evolve together and I have trained my brain to scan and look for these opportunities and look for these aspects of the infinite universe to be grateful for. It hasn't always been the case and I do acknowledge 
all aspects of the universe I do acknowledge others perceptions I do accept them and when I encounter perceptions that are quite different from my own I'm grateful and I think wow you know this is a real opportunity to learn from each other and this is a real opportunity for me to feel grateful of where I am and how I feel because what I have found works best for me is to train my wonderful brain who really loves me to be a fantastic tool for feeling good and as we all know our beautiful brains that we've evolved are under our control and they will do what we want so if you train them to really focus and look for positive opportunities for learning and growth and creativity and if you train them to be scanning constantly to find more things for you to be grateful for they will and it's just such a gift and I'm so grateful for that and the flip side of that is of course if you focus on negative things or things to worry about then your brain because your brain loves you will look for all those things and and give more of those things to you so I think it's a great opportunity really while we're in our exciting bubbles to think about new ways of being and what kind of aspects of our life we can create more spaciousness in where we want to put those boundaries to best serve ourselves in this time so today is my weekend tomorrow is my weekend and I'm really enjoying having some adventures with my new kittens Poirot and Hastings who are so beautiful and so full of joy and excitement So I hope that you have a wonderful, wonderful day and I'll look forward to speaking to you next time. Kakite. It's kind of fitting actually because you think that my question for Andy was do you think that this community that's evolving from the situation will be an enduring community? Yeah, I think it is. Um, I think it's a pretty strong community anyway. Um, Parliaments look like nothing else except parliaments. So, you know, if you work on parliamentary stuff, it doesn't really transfer into a government department or the, the, the third sector or corporate. It's obviously some crossover, but they're pretty unique things. But you know, one parliament looks pretty much like another. So the stuff they're doing in Brazil is directly relevant to the stuff they're doing in Wellington or London. You, so they, you know, people talk. We, we do a lot of collaborative stuff. I, I work in a, a centre in Geneva. Switzerland which is just the host for a a, a global set of parliamentary hubs so we already do lots of collaborative stuff but this is this is really multiplying it and it's building on um, years of goodwill and good relationships as well you know we we all trust each other we know each other and trust each other so I think it's really strengthening the relationships and I think I think good stuff will come from that When we talked last, Andy, we were talking about the possibility of people's parliaments and various structures like that. Do you think this is the time that those things are going to come to the fore? No. (laughs) I I was was about to have a good story there. (laughs) Well, I say no because I don't think... I don't think now is the time to do it. Now... If you'd asked me that question slightly differently, if you'd said, do you think this is a time that might sow the seeds for people thinking about different ways of doing things? 
Yeah, that's what I meant. Then I'd say yes. <laughs> so, you know, down the line, yeah, I think we're going to have to address things in a different way. I think this is going to we're, we're going to be in a position at some point in the next, well, insert time frame here. Who knows? Six months, 12 months, 24 months where we have a semblance of normality. And it's not going to be normality as we had before, because you can never go back. So a lot of people are going to be asking questions. Now, a lot of the people that have been advocating for one thing or another are going to advocate for it even more strongly because they were convinced beforehand and they're convinced now that that's the way to solve it. Uh, um, that will include the people who think that the, the neoliberal capitalist system is absolutely fine because they're making lots of money out of it and the sooner we get back to it the better it will include on the other side the um, people who are have decided that the only solution is that we have to have uh, open online parliaments which are entirely participatory and deliberative and they decided that years ago and they still think it and they will think it when they come back but i'm not really interested in those outliers i think what interests me is where the people in the middle start going how do we build the case for doing things differently um it's no good just us saying hey we you know this is a really good idea we should do it when we've been on about it for 20 years and nobody listened um, its time's got to be right. Its message has got to be right. And actually, parliaments work pretty well. I know none of us particularly seem to like them or the people in them, um, which is just the nature of you put someone up on a stage and give them a bit of power. Everybody thinks they're evil. And actually, they're not. And if you, you actually were to suggest to people that they got on and did the decision making themselves, they'd last about a month before they decided to elect someone, give them the job to do it because <laughs> they'd be busy with other things. So uh, we can't just naively go, oh, let's just switch things over and do it as a big participatory hooey. It, it ain't going to work. We need to really think about it and we need to have good reasons and good structures. Um, it's that thing about, and I'm sure, Sam, you and I have talked about this in the past, it's why revolutions fail. It's because someone started throwing the rocks, had a pretty good idea, but nobody got inside the system and changed it and worked with people. You have to you have to change the system from within as well as without. I asked you for some music suggestions, and you've come yes. up with two local-ish. Well, one's very local to you; the other one's not quite so local. It is indeed. So I'm playing your friend first. Would you like to tell us about that? Um, yes, I thought. Well, Alison and I. Alison's the musician, so I kind of let her drive my choices here a little bit, and. Um, we were thinking it might be appropriate to choose something we listen to, but they're all uh, nursery rhymes at the moment. So uh, we picked um, Breger Campbell, who's a piper from the Isle of Skye, in fact, just up the road in Slate, where I live, in the south of Skye. And her album is produced by a friend of Alison and mine, Aidan O'Rourke, who's a rather brilliant fiddle player and plays fiddle on this. And we thought this would just capture... The, the feeling of sky, you know, in the school here, you learn fiddle and pipes, chanter when you're in primary school and, and pipes when you're in high school. It's uh, none of this guitar and, um, uh, and modern things. It's, uh, it's proper traditional fiddle and fiddle and pipes. And there's a real, real sense of it in the community here. And uh, Bridger is also the Celtic goddess of springtime. So for us here, after the very long, dark, wet and cold winter we're coming into spring so um we thought this would be a nice tr 
track for you to listen to.
Rahui Images by Andy Thompson, providing us with daily inspiration through the camera lens. See Andy's pictures on andythompsonphotography.nz.co.nz. Kia ora, Andy Thompson here, COVID-19 Rahui Images blog for the 1st of April. And uh, check out my website at andythompsonphotographynz.co.nz. And this one's called Adventure with Was. So uh, we often go for a long walk with our dog Molly, and uh, this morning was beautiful. So uh, out we went for a walk, and, uh, and we were heading up um, around a track. It was just beautiful, absolutely stunning. So I caught a, uh, a pretty neat image of Port Otago that was really busy. Anyway, we shot up around the tracks, and, um, and we came back down, and uh, I did a few images around the anchor, the famous anchor around Port Chalmers. Um, if uh, any of you don't know about it, it's called 19 Fathom Fowl Anchor, and, uh, and there's some really neat history about this anchor. Um, it did, um, well, I wouldn't say neat, it had a, it was a cause of one drowning, so that's actually not very good in 1966, but uh, it's been hauled up there as a, a local icon, and so it looks pretty cool, so I really encourage you to go visit it at some stage. Obviously, don't drive for miles, you need to stay in your bubble. Uh, so anyway, so we, we took some pretty cool um, images around there and I really, really was uh, enjoying it. And so from there we walked down and oh my God, Molly nearly jumped out of her skin in a fur um, and a huge squeal as we're descending down towards um, the road. Turns out she's uh, stepped on a wasp and the wasp had embedded itself in between the paw of her foot. So it was repeatedly stinging. And so, blimey heck, we, we kind of had to grab onto her and, and flick it out. It was just mega um, and bit of a carnage. So that turned into a walker meter, lick the foot, walker meter. And so we tried to carry her. Um, and of course, she's 10 kgs of wiggly molly. So that wasn't going to work. So um, really lucky that Joe kind of trotted on, ran on home um, because we're running out of time to get to work. And, uh, and she came back and saved the day and, uh, and took us home and we kind of cleaned her paw out and gave her an antihistamine under the good advice of the vet and, uh, and Molly's come right. But I guess the uh, interesting thing is, is that um, that's why the government wants to stay us local because if you have an epic like that, you can generally get home and deal with it and it minimises, um, you know, we didn't have to get the, uh, uh, the rescue services um, to come and get us. So at the end of the day, um, I guess uh, a photography trip, uh, a tip for this particular blog is about taking images in priceless moments. And you'll see in my blog, there's a few classic images um, where uh, Joe's talking to Molly about the chickens that are close by and giving her a warning not to go near them. And also um, when she got caught by the uh, wasp, I caught a couple of images um, on the way. You just can't repeat these images. And so capturing priceless moments, the key to that is to have a camera ready. And actually your phone, most phones have cameras on them. So have them handy, whip them out, and you just, you need to be prepared to capture an image right there and then. If you've got a bigger camera, it's important to have your settings right. So that means that often you want to capture some movement and some action. So usually your shutter speed wants to be around 200th of a second or no less than 1 60th of a second, depending on what sort of background or what, what kind of effect you want to create in your image. So 
really encourage you, I often have a, a little pocket rocket. I have my phone handy. And so those are for those moments that you just can't have a big camera handy. And so you can whip it out, capture a really fun sort of image of uh, that, that will just never be repeated. And those images, um, there's a real art to capturing great images and then and and that captures the main minute so yeah i really encourage you to um i always have a camera with me um there's not, not many times i don't so um capturing priceless moments is what the tip is having a camera with you even your phone will do the job stay well stay safe and look forward to talking to you soon kia kaha so are you getting outside andy yeah we I'm, we're really lucky it's um you know i feel a bit of a cheat talking about this whole lockdown thing and um how we can't go anywhere we're not we're only supposed to leave our house for the minimum exercise we can go out for an hour or whatever but you know if we go out of our house we've got a garden we've got a big big garden lots of space if we go down the hill we've got the sea if we go up the hill we've got the moors so um we can go lots of places without seeing anybody it's it's perfectly fine and this is a community where people live fair fair bit apart so when you run into a neighbor you tend to be chatting to them over the gate anyway so we're kind of in lots of ways it's business as usual just all a bit strange and um, and we're being sensible we're not using the car as uh, someone i heard say today is we're getting three weeks to the gallon out of the car <laughs> so it, it sits there languishing with me looking at it thinking that car needs a wash but well there's no point because we're not using it um, so I, I'm using the car once a week to go and do the shopping, basically, and that's it. So we, we go out for a walk. We are out in the garden. Spring's here. The weather's picking up, although it's 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 gone downhill again this afternoon. It was lovely this morning. Um, we've got lots of things being planted, garden beds being redded, polytunnel getting sorted out soon, I think. Um, so it's pretty easy to be outside. It's... Um, it, you know, it's easy to forget that if you live in a flat in a city, it's not. It's hard. You know, we've got big things on the news here about um, people saying, oh, idiots going to parks. Well, you live in a flat, a one-bedroom flat with hardly any windows and any light in a city. What are you supposed to do? We haven't really thought that one through. People, they need, you know, you need exercise because you need exercise, but you need it for your mental health as well. You, we need to be looking after ourselves and getting getting out there getting um getting the fresh air so i don't know how we're going to do that if they lock it down even further but you know up here in the, um, the wilds on the island it's it's quiet we're spaced out you know we we have we have distance so we can get up onto the hill we can get down to the beach what's the economy of sky what are well, here's the problem. Same as New Zealand, tourism. And that's... So we ain't got... And that's just stopped. Yeah, it's gone. That's gone. That's stopped. It's on hold. So there's a lot of my friends and neighbours up here who have a very shaky future for the next few months. Um, it's hard. Most people up here, it's, it's one of the things about living in small communities is you do lots of things. You know, people are versatile and get on with with it but um, tourism is a huge thing in this economy and it feels now going up to 
you know, we're uh, 20 minutes away from the, the nearest, what we would call a town, what most people would probably think of as a quite a small village, really. But uh, going up there, it feels like um, midweek in the middle of winter, not spring, where we would expect it to be busy and lots of lots of tourists around. Coming up to Easter, it would be um, it would be packed and it's not. It's going to be empty. So it's going to be a real hit on the economy up here. We're suffering the same fate in the eastern Bay of Plenty in New Zealand, of New Zealand, uh, where we had a volcanic eruption that stalled our uh, tourism, and now this. And uh, the government mm. was talking about um, people not being able to come to New Zealand at this year. Is there any idea of how long it'll be before um, your lockdown is finished that you can restore your tourism, or is it's just wait and see what happens i don't think anyone's got a clue at the moment um i think we're in a lot better position than you are because i mean you've got the the white island and then you've got the the lockdown and you're dependent on people who are largely planning long distance holidays and we have a lot of a lot of people from all over the world come here but I suspect when the lockdown gets lifted, it's probably going to be into the summer. And what we'll get is, although it won't make up for it, we'll get a lot of uh, domestic tourists. So I think we'll see a, a shift in the demographic of our tourism industry this year. And who knows after that? Um, it's it's absolutely impossible to predict. It could, yeah, it, it could go any way. It could go any way. It could, it could just stall. It may not take off. You know, we may be in lockdown through July and August, in which case the season's over. So um, impossible to tell at the moment. It's uh, it's very stressful for a lot of people. Dashing White Sergeant. Why did you choose this, Andy? Uh -huh. I have to say I didn't choose this. Alison cho chose this, and she apologises for not joining us, but she's been on uh, on duty with the little man himself. And... <laughs> decided she was in no state to be um, coherent on a radio show at this time of night with or without whiskey. But um, she, well, we thought when we talked about this, we should think about what we do in sky when the nights close in and the days are cold and um, all the tourists have gone home. And one of the things you do up here is you have a Kaylee. Everybody gets together. You have music. You have um, the occasional um, medicinal dram. Local local produce, if, if you're so tempted, you can do that. Other options are available, and so we thought, well, a good Kaylee song is a good way to cheer you up, and it's it's fun, it's lively, it makes you smile. And Jimmy Shand is it's a bit, it's almost the 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 quintessential cheesy Scottish um, Kaylee, but the guy's really good. He's a really good musician. So Alison chose this as the. Um, as the epitome of a good Kaylee band and a real you don't need that many people for so you can probably manage it in the house although you do need even numbers so you might have to bring the dog in but um, you can get practicing and do it do it in your bubble
Wirra, you've got four in your bubble. You're dancing around? My 17-year-old doesn't want to be dancing anywhere near the rest of us. <laughs> <laughs> Not much chance of that happening. <laughs> um, and do you talk about a terrible two-year-old? Wait till you've got a terrible 17-year-old. You know, I read somewhere that it's the same. The thing that makes them the terrible twos is what makes them when they're teenagers. And it's like, oh, my God, is that all yep. to come? Liesel <laughs> <laughs> Mitchell is a downtown dweller, urban explorer and conversationalist observing city life in lockdown. Well, hello, bubble people. Uh, greetings from my bubble to yours, and hope that uh, your day is cooking on gas. Well, maybe not on gas, but um, cooking, cooking. Hoping you're enjoying yourselves, finding some things to do. Um, thought just today that we'd do something a little bit different here in the conversation. I'm just going to wander around my house and uh, just tell you, well, I'll take you on a little, a little. Uh, tour a little conversational tour of my house because when you're in a bubble by yourself um, it's quite important that a you kind of like your space but also b that you um, maybe have different spaces that you can go to so that you feel like you're in different houses <laughs> or different places so I'll start with the, the entrance foyer area, which is my sort of like de decontamination area is what I like to call it. Come in the door, decontaminate with um, the coat hooks here where I hang my coat and hat if I'm wearing a hat and sometimes wear a hat, yeah, I quite like hats and a bag, etc. So that all just hangs up there. I've got the bathroom right beside the front door so I can just whip in there and soap up my hands in the sudsiest soaps you've ever seen. and um, Whatever that is, I don't even know what that is, but sudsiest soaps, it's a great, great little combo of words. Um, and usually like wipe down my phone, so I'm like ready to enter the building. So then we've got um, the the sleeping space, the space I don't tend to, um, so you can hear my voice change maybe as I enter the space. Um, I don't tend to use the space really other than for sleeping, which is good because it's kind of like this is, um, this is sort of reserved for the quiet, sleep, good time. 12 hours well maybe not 12 hours of sleep but hey you could in this in this bubble time you could sleep for that 12 hours if you want to and I've also got a, like a little sort of corner here with kind of like um, a chair and comfy cushion and that's sort of like a little you know um, extra living space so if I'm if I'm feeling like going away from the main living space I've got another little living space there so um, mixing it up sometimes I just kind of come through to the the other living space feeling like I've gone on a whole uh, journey so then I've got sort of kitchen area which is um, a, a number of things really we've got the the main workstation which is obviously you know your oven your your sort of um, all your utilities there your fridge your oven your, your sink um, I've got a big bench space so bench space is reserved at one end for um, kind of Oh, sort of your shopping list, your kind of like things that you maybe need to get done. Uh, that's kind of like the productive sort of zone at that end. Other end is the barista centre. Um, I'm having to learn to make my own coffees. I think I might have said that. Maybe if I haven't, then I need to say that because it's a disaster. But um, slowly by the day getting better. 
as I have created this really cool space that looks cool and I think that's a really good start because if it looks cool that's half half the sort of problem solved right there. Whether it tastes good, uh, yeah, we're, we're working on that bit. So barista space, um, coming out of the kitchen um, multifaceted space there into the dining room. Now I must just tell you all of this place is really open plan and just one room but I've created different rooms, different rooms. So dining room, um, lovely setup for, uh, you know, obviously like my cul culinary delights that I whip up. Um, I can enjoy those at the dining table. And then moving through to the music room, because obviously you need a music room in your house if you're into music. So we've got a keyboard here, we've got a ukulele, we've got some cushions to uh, you know, just recline on and enjoy music. Obviously, if I'm playing it, it's sort of, oh no, I guess I could play the ukulele upon the cushions, yeah. Also got my little boom speaker to create music sounds. Then we're moving over into the lounge living space. There's cushions, there's couches, there's comfortable little spaces to enjoy. And there's a study area, so that's where I'm supposed to be working most of the time. Um, supposed to be, that's always a good word, sort of phrase in there, isn't it? Yeah, we're working on that too. And then coming back around to the other side of the kitchen, we've got sort of bar space where we can kind of uh, perch at the bar, maybe serve a cocktail to myself, uh, maybe have a coffee. Um, yeah, that's, and, and some ambient lighting. I've got some candles there as well just to create mood. Yeah, so that's kind of my bubble world, which I'm enjoying living in. And uh, so far, haven't gotten lost, um, have multiple options and just thought I'd share that with you. So I hope you're having a great day and uh, talk soon. Take care out there. So we've got some questions to end with, Andy. It's a variation on the set that you've had before on Sustainable Lens. Mm. What's the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years? Moving to Sky. <laughs> it does seem a nice I, place. I should probably, yeah, it's it's just the most fantastic move that decision to leave the city and live somewhere else and that not listening to people say oh you'll never how are you going to work how are you going to survive so like, well you do and you you find other things that matter it's been a good move and for the wee man it's a brilliant move he absolutely loves it up here so we're writing a book of these conversations it's called tomorrow's heroes so you're in the mansion What's the superpower that's got you there? Oh, that's a tricky one, isn't it? What got you to the mansion? I think... So the, there's, there's two answers to this. One of them is really boring, which is, I think, just something to do with critical thinking and getting the right ideas at the right time. But I think the more accurate answer is tenacity. That you know you don't have to be the best at doing something you just have to believe in it enough to do it hard for long enough do you consider yourself to be an activist i have moments i had a rant on twitter today about something that i'm not going to talk about because i don't want to give them any oxygen but um my day job gets in the way of that a little bit because i have to be a little bit um circumspect I can't be too overtly political or um, critical, but it doesn't stop me having the odd, odd little snap. I think you, should, you know a dog should always be able to bite.
and um, I maintain the the sharpness of my teeth just in case. So I've always I've always had, I think I've always had a tendency towards activism and fighting for those causes that I believe in. But I realised I think the older I get, the more I realise that the way I can do it is not necessarily the throwing rocks and holding the placard but i understand the system i understand how system changes work and i think i can my my value is stepping in and saying oh well yes that is a very good idea now how do we make it work and in some ways bridging both sides is very helpful so knowing how it works on the inside in terms of, of parliaments and government is a really good way to lead radical change from the outside you can't just crash through the door you have to you have to work with the process, even if you want to upturn the process. So what motivates you? Now, I usually follow that up with what gets you out of bed in the morning, but I suspect I know the answer to that follow up question. So we'll just stick with the what motivates you. I'm feeling a little philosophical about the motivation at the moment, because I think we're looking at a world that's radically changing. And before our, before our eyes, actually, what has motivated me for a long time is that idea of of um, justice and democracy that we all have a right to have our voices heard and that no one person has a, a right to be more heard than others or to tell us what we should think so i've spent a lot of my my time trying to make that happen and in some ways succeeding and often succeeding in very 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 small ways that can ultimately make a difference but i think increasingly realizing that there is not a big bang to this there isn't there isn't a revolution that will change this system it's incremental um, so i think the motivation at the moment is how do we build on that incremental change which is around education and um, advocacy so of all of the social changes that we've been seeing over the last few weeks, what do you think will stick and what do you hope will stick? What I hope will stick is a sense of community. Um, what I hope will stick is the final realisation that austerity and neoliberalism is a con. Now, suddenly, at the, the swipe of a signature on a document the UK government wrote off 30, was 13 and a half billion pounds worth of debt held by the NHS. 13 billion pounds gone. Now, if you can get rid of that now, you could have got rid of it years ago. You didn't need to create it. You created it to break the system. And I hope what comes out of this is a recognition that um, stockbrokers, equity managers, fund managers, are not on the list of essential services. These people actually are not contributing to our society. You know, personally, I'm sure they could be very nice people, but as a career choice, it's not one that's going to contribute to the, the moving forward of our society. Suddenly, look who matters, nurses, um, healthcare assistants, the guys that pick up your garbage, they matter. The person working in the supermarket, what an awful job at the moment, working on the checkout in a supermarket. It must be pretty scary. And yet they're doing it. And they're doing it without big bonuses and lots of money. They're doing it because they care. 
a lot of them are doing it because they care about the communities that they're in. And I think we're seeing a realignment of what matters. And I hope that stays. I hope it doesn't just get brushed off and we suddenly get convinced that Virgin Healthcare is actually a really good organization, even though they keep trying to sue the government and they don't pay any tax. Let's take that stuff back. We can run a public health service. We can use public resources to do this stuff. Actually, the money doesn't matter. There are ways around that. We haven't figured out what they are yet. There's a huge question about how we sort out the, the cost of all this. Um, but people matter more than money, and we've just proved that. When push comes to shove, we throw money at saving people and saving our communities. And I think that's the biggest lesson that we're getting out of this. Do you think that the be kind message will what does that look like if we, in terms of your work what does that look like in terms of parliaments i don't think it i don't think it particularly resonates other than you have to remember that parliamentarians are humans you know they're people like us and just like us there are all kinds in there um but i think one of the things where it does resonate is with our politicians who are on the front line dealing with this, let's go a bit easy on them. And if they get something wrong, they get it wrong. I, I don't think this is the time for political point scoring. And I think that, you know, where, where let's turn it around, where we should be hard is the politicians that try to score points out of this. And that's not the thing to be doing right now. Yes, there is time afterwards to to look at this and to have inquiries and find out if we did it right and learn. But it's not the time to be attacking politicians. This is the time to, to trust people. Be critical, hold them to account, but let's go easy on them. If you could wave a magic wand and have a miracle occur tomorrow morning, what would you have happen? Well, on a very personal level, I'd probably have the Talisker distillery open so I could go and get a replacement for the bottle I'm about to finish drinking here. But um, on a more societal level, I would, I would, I think I would ask for us to come out of this with those lessons about society learned and embedded. And I'd like us to, to start thinking about social capital and human capital and not monetary financial capital. Um, and that would be the greatest wish that we actually could learn from this to to be human again and to be communities and society and not be driven by the, the stock market. And lastly, do you have any advice for our listeners? Well, it's stay in the bubble, isn't it? But there's things to do. There's, you know, we can we can do lots in the bubble. Um, we've got the internet, we can get out, get out when you can, get the fresh air. But um, let's, let's just use this as a chance to learn, a chance to reflect. If you aren't working, it's a chance to step back, isn't it? It's a chance to do something a bit different. Just evaluate the way you've been working. Evaluate the society around you. Look at what's happening and look to see if you're okay. Can you get involved? Can you help out in your communities there's a lot of people need help so let's get involved let's get active let's learn let's reevaluate how we live and let's get involved with our communities thank you for that 
Mawera is busily talking to a 10-year-old. But any last thoughts, Mawera? Uh, there was um, an interesting story uh, locally in Whakatane um, of a mum with eight children of varying ages uh, off for a walk and accusations of um, her uh, not sticking to her bubble when in actual fact she was definitely in her bubble. She just happened to have eight children. Um, and so just a reminder to be kind to people, I think, that uh, we don't always know the circumstances of someone's family life and it's very easy to stand in judgment from a distance. Um, in fact, we just need to remember to be kind. Thank you very much. You've been listening to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world, brought to you by the Sustainable Lens Team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic. We broadcast on Otago Access Radio every weekday at 3 and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. You can find us on Facebook. We've had contributions from Tahu McKenzie, Andy Thompson and Liesl Mitchell. Today we've been joined by Andy Williamson from the Isle of Skye off the west coast of Scotland. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyer's Bay with Mawira Karatai in Fakatani. We hope you enjoyed the show. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.